Luke chapter 10 this morning. Luke chapter 10, I was reading my Bible. I do that sometimes. Um, <clears throat> sometimes. Uh, more, than, more than some in my house. I'm just kidding. Um, but I came across this familiar passage, and the Lord just put it on my heart. And I, 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 So maybe this is more for me than anyone here today. Um, <clears throat> but we're going to talk about the needful thing this morning, the needful thing, or some might say the good part. But Martha and Mary, uh, they're mentioned in Luke 10, and then I was surprised how little Martha is mentioned in our Bible. I did a search of Martha, and she shows up here in Luke 10, and then in John 11 and 12. She's such a notable figure, I, I just, I don't know, in my mind, it seems like we read about her more, but she really isn't there all that much, but... But we know that this is uh, the sisters of Lazarus that Jesus raised from the dead. And the passage in John tells us they, they live in Bethany. Our passage here this morning doesn't tell us. It just says a certain city. Um, but I was surprised when I began studying uh, how little there is to know. But there's something here that's good. And, and uh, Lord willing, this morning, I hope to uh, share that with you. But if you're there in Luke chapter 10... We're going to read verses 38 through 42, if you would stand with me in honor of reading the Word of God. Now it came to pass, as they went, that he entered into a certain village, and a certain woman, Martha, received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care? That my sister hath left me alone. Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day, Lord. I thank you for your word. And certainly I thank you for this passage and how you've worked in my life. And so this morning as, Lord, I attempt to convey some things I ask that you would fill with your spirit. And that you would use your word in the hearts of the people, Lord, to work in our lives to help us to be better servants for you. And Father, we'll give you the glory for all that you do. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So as we we dig into this passage a little bit, uh, you may notice, if you're familiar with this passage, earlier in this chapter, Jesus is finishing up the story or the account of the Good Samaritan, the parable of the Good Samaritan, in verses 25 through 37. In verse 37 it says this, And he said, He that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. And so if you're familiar with that passage, there was somebody trying to excuse themselves, really, from the service of the Lord, and, and, and Jesus gives them that parable uh, of the Good Samaritan, and, and He says, go and do thou likewise. And so as we prepare to look at this chapter this morning, or this latter part of this chapter, um, I, do, I want you to understand that Jesus expects acts of service and ministry from His disciples. 
just the parable preceding what we're going to look at this morning, he said, go, do and thou, go and do that likewise. Those good works, those, those things, go minister and serve and, and labor. Uh, so certainly he encourages his followers to do that. But there is a danger in overextending or serving without sitting, as I'll say this morning. Uh, we must first be strengthened by our Lord to effectively labor for our Lord. And I hope that's what, uh, that's my goal is to impart that to you this morning. Uh, we all have a choice today. Uh, simply put, we can choose to be cumbered about, or we can choose that good part. Uh, but let's examine the situation a little bit. In verse 38, you can look there again with me uh, in that verse, and we'll notice Martha's hospitality. This is interesting. Uh, it says, a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And uh, we really, as I said, I was looking into this. We don't, this is really the first area or first place Martha is mentioned. We don't know if she knew Jesus previous to this or if she just heard him teaching and thought, man, I'm going to invite this guy over. And, and certainly it's possible she didn't know of him, right? Uh, I'm not saying that she's just, it was a total stranger necessarily, but, but we don't know a lot about the circumstances other than, she invited him in. Uh, she was hospitable, and that's certainly something to be commended. I believe the word of, or the word of God teaches that Christians ought to be hospitable. And uh, well, let's stick to my notes. I don't want to get off track here. I got a pile of notes anyway. But put yourself in her sandals for a moment. I don't really like sandals, but. You know. When we lived in Okinawa, I did start wearing flip-flops. I didn't really, I never wore any flip-flops until there. But you're on an island, and it's hot, and it's muggy, and it just kind of grew on me there. So I wear them occasionally now. But anyway, put yourself in our sandals here. Would you spontaneously invite the Savior to your house? Invite him in, and really we'll see that that entails more than just having him over. Um, would you show hospitality? How would you prepare your home? What would you serve as a meal? Uh, what would you do? Would you even do it? Perhaps you're embarrassed of your home and you don't want the Lord there. But you can imagine everything that might have been going through her brain. And I know this because I've done it. We've invited people to our house and then after you do it, it's like, what was I thinking? We'll project it out a couple weeks, and then as it gets closer, it's like, oh, boy, why did I do that? But as those words came off her lips, Lord, would you come? Could you imagine what all was going through her mind? Because I want you to notice the burden that this likely was. I don't think this was just a singular individual in Jesus that she was inviting to her home. And I look at verse 38, or excuse me, verse 39. <clears throat> and we see now it came to pass as they went. There was a group here. It wasn't just her. Uh, and I think it's verse 17 in chapter 10. Here still it says, And the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us. So this is after he'd sent them out. And, and so these seventy disciples had returned to him. And so when we see as, as they went... 
Now it came, it was probably a much larger group than just Jesus and the 12 even. But even if it was just the 12, and, and, and we, we can't say dogmatically how many people this was, but I think it was a, a, a substantial burden to look at this individual that was a, a, of note in the community, that it was going about preaching, and he had all these followers that were with him and say, come to my house. Uh, it's not like just inviting over your best friend and his wife. It, it, this, I believe, was a group of people. Uh, perhaps it was the 70. Uh, but the fact that she was cumbered about to the point of frustration indicates to me that it wasn't just Jesus himself. Uh, it's pretty easy to have one individual into your home. I, my wife's there all the time. I, I, I'm, <laughs> after 22 years, I've figured out how to make it work. The kids are the problem. (laughs) But what I want you to understand, this was likely a great burden. And so when we look at the idea of her hospitality and her willingness to invite Jesus into her home, there was more than just Jesus himself here, I believe. Um, Those 70 disciples had recently returned to him. And and after he goes to the parable of the Good Samaritan and we get to this account here, um, we see that as they went and and they come into this certain village, uh, which I believe is, is likely Bethany. John chapter 12 tells us that's where they lived. Um, <clears throat> but this was a big burden. But where's Mary? So verse 39 and 40, and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard of his word. Perhaps Mary made the assumption that, boy, I got me and my sister. We can handle this. This won't be a big undertaking. We can handle these people. But, but she gets to a point in, in her service and in the burden and realizes, man, what happened to my sister here? She perhaps was expecting some help. One commentator said this. He said, the dinner wasn't the only thing boiling in the kitchen. Martha must have been getting worn down and fed up all at the same time because of this burden that, that she had taken upon herself. And, and she gets to this point, she's like, man, where, what, happened to the, what happened to Mary? She, she's nowhere to be found. Listen, we ask for opportunity to serve and we get frustrated in our service, do we not? God, use me. God, I want to be used of you. And, and oftentimes we get frustrated and and it's likely because we are, not att- we are attempting to do it in our own strength. We're not taking the time and looking to the Lord. And as we'll see, sitting at His feet. Look at what this brings Mary to in, in verse 40. And, and so I, I believe this was a great undertaking. I mean, where do you put 70 pairs of shoes? feeding 70 people is not a small thing. Uh, that's a lot of food. It's a lot of preparation. It's a lot of place settings and tables and, and all those things. So the, the idea of preparing a house to, to receive a group of this size was, was a sub- substantial undertaking, I believe. But she'd asked for it. <laughs> Don't we do that to ourselves sometimes? Uh, and I'm not, again, we, we ought to be servants. We ought to be ministering to people. I believe the Lord teaches us that, but we could be, if we're not careful, we can overextend ourselves. But so Martha gets to this boiling port, 
point. We read in verse 40, But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, So she comes to Jesus and she said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bitter, therefore, that she helped me. Boy, Martha gets to her limit. I can only imagine all the labor she's done to this point. As people come into their house, uh, customarily feet are washed. And perhaps Mary had helped with some of those things, but at some point, it got to the point where Mary excused herself from the, from the labors of the home, which traditionally in that culture would have been the lady's job. <clears throat> and so Martha gets to a point where, wow, my goodness, I'm just, I'm drowning here. She's had enough. Not only Mary not doing what she did, should be doing, uh, but Jesus hasn't corrected her. Do you see that in her voice here? Mary's not doing the right thing, but this is really a rebuke to the Savior. How come he hasn't corrected her? Surely Jesus can see the Martha running around like a chicken with her head cut off. Trying to attend to all the things that would be done here. Surely Jesus, like every other rabbi or teacher, is not going to let a woman sit and any longer at his feet in the position or posture of one of the disciples, especially when it's women's work. That's not what we expected of a teacher in our culture. But he's doing nothing. He hasn't said anything to her. He continues to teach. Can you see what's going on here? Can you, can you picture her frustration in this circumstance? And how difficult it can be when we have a task at hand or, or things are going on. And so I don't think there's any mistake here that Martha's words are a rebuke. Dost thou not care? Lord, you must not care. It's an accusation and advice to our Savior. Bitter to Bitter, therefore, to help me. Martha's words really betray the fact that she doesn't really understand who she's talking to. Why don't you use your teacherly authority and instruct my sister to get up and, and to give me a hand? Isn't that your job, Jesus, to instruct people what they ought to be doing? How foolishly we can respond to God's dealing in our lives when we lose sight of who He is. <clears throat> Not to mention, she asked for it. She had received Him into the house. Uh, she was willing to have Him. But look at Jesus' response to her this morning. Jesus responds to her, and I want you to see the lesson for her here in verses uh, 42 or 41 and 42. And Jesus answering said unto her, How dare you speak to the Son of God with that tone and with that kind of... That's not what yours says? No, that's my typed part here. That's not what my Bible says either. Oh no, wait a second here. Look what the scripture says. Look at how our Savior responds. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, 
Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall be taken away, which shall not be taken away from her. I can't help but hear the love and the grace in our Savior's voice here. As he absorbs all of the frustration and all of the really anger possibly that Martha has directed at him and projected at him. Dost thou not care? And he says, Martha, Martha. And what a gentle response. And there's a lesson for us there. Um, <laughs> I had to apologize to Carter the other day. He shot an elk this year. And uh, uh, thank you, Brett. Brett helped us debone it and skin it and debone it. But I got to the house in a cooler and it was time to process the rest of it. And, and uh, I snapped at Carter a little bit. <clears throat> you know, he's my son, so he didn't respond. He just, he just shuts up and takes it because he knows if he does it, I'm probably going to get more aggressive. But I have to admit, I wasn't treating him properly. But what a lesson for us from our Savior here that oftentimes people treat us difficultly, even wrong. And he doesn't rebuke her for that. He's patient with her. He, he shows gentleness and love and kindness and responds back with a great lesson that we all need to learn that lesson as well this morning. So there's a mini lesson within the sermon. Martha was projecting all this anger, but he just gently and, and just clearly responds. She's just careful and troubled about all the things in the house. Again, I'm sure there was a meal being prepared. Feet had to be washed. Food uh, in those days was more difficult to prepare. Today you can go buy a, a salad in a bag, throw it out. Uh, it wasn't like that. This was an undertaking. Uh, no doubt, depending on the size of the group in her home, there's clearing of spaces and opening room for people to sit. Uh, she had probably paid attention and took care for the place Mary is sitting in. Cleared out the living room so folks can, can gather around the, the Savior and hear His teaching. And certainly she's obviously concerned with her dear sweet sister. Not pulling her weight in the situation. But our Savior, just in kindness and love, responds, Martha, Martha. You're careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. He directs her attention to the thing that's needful. And before Martha has to speculate on what that one thing is, Jesus goes on and says that one thing is the thing that her sister is attending to. Her sister is attending to the Savior. Don't try to take your sister away from the one thing that matters most. Mary has chosen to attend the thing that's needful, the, the thing that's most important. The needful thing is for all of us to put Christ first. Does not Scripture tell us, seek ye first in all these things? And we can use so many examples from Scripture that if we would put God first, He will align everything else in our lives. Now again, I'm not telling you to neglect the, the service and the ministry. 
God does command and direct us to serve and to labor. And so, uh, <clears throat> he was not given Mary a free pass to never serve. Uh, that's not what I'm saying this morning. We must see here that in this passage, it's not about people who are busybodies or workaholics. It's not about those people that we often call the Marthas. Because I want to be clear about the fact that what Martha was doing was not wrong. I think it was a wonderful thing. I'm sure that Jesus and his followers appreciated the hospitality. Having a home to come into and to be cared for and and to be served and uh, to have those things being done, I'm sure they appreciated it. Her invitation, all the hospitality that went in with that. And uh, they were all expressions of honor toward them uh, as she was going to serve them. And the ultimate problem wasn't even really her frustration with her sister or with Jesus not correcting her. Uh, Those were really symptoms. They were problems, but they weren't the main problem or the problem. Jesus' correction of Martha was not a rebuke of godly hospitality, but a reminder of godly priorities. She wasn't rebuked for doing those things. Uh, And the reality is those things need to be done. Uh, But it's just a reminder of where priorities ought to be. Martha, the only thing that's needful was that her guest, or to Martha, the only thing that was needful was for her guests to be shown the proper kind of hospitality. That's what she in her mind thought was the need at the time. And when when that didn't happen to the extent that she believed was appropriate, that's when we had a problem. Because she wasn't able to accomplish what she wanted to, maybe as quickly as she wanted to. And that's when her accusation of blame found its targets in her sister and and really in, in Jesus. So what does Jesus have to do? He must correct her understanding of what is needful. What does that mean for us today? I can't help but think as we go through this busy holiday season and really as we begin to embark on a new year, what's our priority? Family, finances, and even fitness. Those things are not unimportant. Uh, We ought to be good stewards of our finances. We ought to fulfill the role in our families as God's intended us, as the, as the, the husband, the wife, the father, the, the mother, all of those different things. Those are important things. Yeah, I think we should take care of our bodies. Most notably, I think most of the time, the, the resolution that we hear most about is the fitness resolution all the time. And it's not working in my life, I'll tell you that right now. This retirement stuff is good. Twenty-one years, twenty-plus PT tests. I think that no more PT tests. I don't. We still should take care of our body, but what am I saying? Those things aren't unimportant. We need to tend to those things. But our faith is more important. 
And as we think about our faith, uh, there are a lot of things that, that can be done right. Ministering in those things. A lot of things uh, could be done better. I mean, if I asked for a show of hands this morning, who wouldn't want to serve God more faithfully, more effectively? Right? We, we ought to be striving uh, for excellence in all we do. Man, you guys missed the Air Force thing there. But in all seriousness, we ought to be striving to please our God uh, and making a point of those things. Like Mary's service, it's a wonderful desire to meet the needs of people, to be hospitable. And our service is important. And again, I believe Jesus and his disciples were thankful for her her service and those things. But only one thing is needful. The one thing you really need and that I really need is to sit at the feet of Jesus. That's it. That's really it. The service will become a byproduct of that, by the way. Um... But like Martha, we can get so caught up in the serving Jesus and so caught up that we forget to sit. To just sit. Martha reminds us that when it comes to our faith, we naturally gravitate to serving rather than sitting. For many, that's a natural tendency. To giving rather than receiving. To doing rather than delighting in Jesus. And again, I don't think Jesus was giving Mary a get-out-of-serving-for-life card here. That's not what I'm saying this morning. Serving must be done. Ministry has to happen. Labor does need to take place. There is work to be done. But we must be corrected when we put laboring before listening. Before we're attentive to the things of God in our life when we put the deeds before our devotion to the Lord, when we put anything before the listening and devotion, he says, but one thing is needful. And he says this, Mary hath chosen that part. At this time, in this circumstance, Mary had chosen the good part, the needful thing, the important thing. And listen, as we navigate the busyness of the holidays and prepare for a new year, listen, I feel like things never slow down. I thought, man, I'm going to get out of the Air Force. Things will slow down. It didn't. Family things are just as busy. The ministry and the things going on at the church are are busy. It it never slows down. Listen, you have to work to make a living. Work's never going to be not there. And so we have to find the right balance between sitting at the Savior's feet and getting the work done and not getting out of balance here. Because when we get out of balance, what happens? We get frustrated. We get anger. We start making accusations at people that aren't founded. She was frustrated at her sister, and her sister, by our Savior, is saying she had chosen the right thing at that moment. But here she is making an accusation. and she's also calling out the Savior, the creator of the world. How come you haven't corrected her, Jesus? 
And so if we're not careful, we'll get out of balance and all of a sudden our frustration and those things. And what do we do? Our ministering, our serving really becomes in the flesh. And by the way, that's not effective. Do you want to go to a home where it's sweet and enjoyable, hospitable, hospitality? Or know that behind the scenes in the kitchen, the pots and pans are racking pretty hard because there's frustration. As we navigate this thing of the new coming year, but really it's just life, navigating life and and all that it entails and the busyness of work and laboring in our homes. When it comes to your faith, what is needful is to sit at Jesus' feet and hear his word. Mary had sat at his feet and heard, uh, Psalm 14, 6 says this, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Here's what Albert Barnes says about that. It says, the word here, be still, means properly to cast down, to let fall, to let hang down, then to be relaxed, slacken, especially the hands. It is also employed in the sense of not making an effort, not putting forth exertion. Listen to this. So then would express the idea of leaving matters with God or of being without anxiety about the issue. In that verse, talking about being still, we can get anxious, but listen, if we allow God to do the work, we don't have to be anxious. We don't have to be cumbered about. Have you chosen the good part? Or are Jesus' words, like they certainly must have stung in the heart of Mary when he said those things, are they stinging you this morning? They sting me all the time. I often want to define my walk with God through the deeds that I do. Maybe my Maryish things and not my devotion or my commitment to my Savior. My Maryish things. Often we want to define the Christian life and the things that we do that people can see. But the needful thing is to sit at the feet of Jesus. So we must develop a habit of regularly sitting at his feet. And so, we better finish up. I got several more notes here. Here's some things about sitting at his feet. Three things. It's a place of submission. Martha's trying to control the situation and the circumstance. She wants... The meeting in her home to go a certain way. She has expectations for that. But she had missed the needful thing. She had missed the good part. Listen, we need to be submissive to what the Lord would have in our lives. Sitting at the feet of Jesus is a place of submission. The posture of Mary to be there is very clearly one of submission at the feet of the Savior. Listen this morning. Bosses do not fit, sit at the feet of their employees. Teachers do not sit at the feet of their students. Generals do not sit at the feet of their soldiers. Every meeting I was ever in in the United States Air Force, the commander took the position of prominence in the room. He was the one in authority. And, and, and sometimes... When, if that doesn't happen, it's, it's just 
It's whack. It's not right. But we need to submit ourselves to the authority of Jesus Christ in our life. It says she sat and and listened to his word. Uh, She was in the word. We know in Acts chapter 22 that Paul, Saul at the time, was brought up at the feet of Gamaliel, one that was known, and he he had learned. uh, To sit at a person's feet is a physical way to express that you recognize who they are. I think Mary and the disciples understood who Jesus was and they positioned themselves appropriately. Who is Jesus? He's God. God in the flesh, the creator of the world. We ought to position ourselves at his feet. 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and clothed with humility. Listen to this. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Look what it says. Casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. We can be cumbered about or we can humble ourselves and take all of those concerns to our Lord. So very simple to sit at his feet in submission means to always put Jesus in first place. Are you sitting at the feet of Jesus today? Does he, is, the, is he the preeminent one in your life this morning? Every day there is a very deliberate handing over of the reins. Giving him the wheel of control. Have you handed yourself over to Jesus? Is he calling the shots? Not you, not me. Are you at his feet in submission? He must increase, but I must decrease. Have you submitted yourself to the Lord this morning? Have you done it? Are you doing it every day? Listen, it's a daily battle. We're told to cast off this flesh and and to take up those things of the Lord Jesus Christ every day. But it's also a place of learning. Mary was doing more in verse 39 than just sitting there. Her legs might be at the position of rest, but her ears were working overtime. It says in verse 39, Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. You see, at the feet of Jesus is a place of learning. Like I mentioned, the Apostle Paul under Gamaliel, as he, he grew up in the, in, 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 uh, the faith there or, or in Judaism or as a Pharisee. It's a place of learning. Kneeling and listening always goes together in the Bible. Being attentive to the things of God. Our submission to God is seen through our obedience to the Word of God. We talk about submission, but if we're not obedient, that would indicate a lack of submission. Listen, Mary, can you imagine what a great blessing it would be to hear the actual voice of Jesus? As Mary sat there and was learning at the feet of Jesus. But you know, I don't know if it's that much less notable that we can hear from God from His Word. We have the incredible ability to hear Jesus through God's Word and the Holy Spirit today. But oftentimes we're too cumbered about. We're too busy. 
but we need to be careful to look into the perfect law of liberty and continue therein. Not being forgetful here, but a doer of those things. And it says we'll be blessed. Boy, you can't go wrong with that. When you sit down with God's word, with the Bible, do you think of the practice in terms of a student sitting at a desk with a textbook? Listen, church, this morning, as you open God's word this week, even as you have it open today, right now, please let Mary's experience guide you. When you open God's words as a disciple of Jesus, you are taking your seat on the floor, maybe metaphorically, taking your seat at the floor before Jesus. Listen, it's his face that we're reading, that we're looking into. It's his voice we are listening to. It's his guidance that we are seeking. It's no less significant than if we were there as Mary was. To sit at his feet is to sit beside as well. To sit at the feet of Jesus is to sit beside as well whose depths cannot be measured and whose supply can never be exhausted. He has a well that will never run dry. As you read the word of God, uh, even this passage, it just became a new and a fresh to me again as I read it. Uh, It will never run dry. You can't exhaust it. It's riches. It's a place of learning. But I want you to know it's a place of closeness. Finally this morning, sitting or living, being at the feet of Jesus is, is a place of intimacy, of closeness. The picture that Luke paints here uh, for us is not only one of instruction, but of intimacy. As Mary and the disciples sat at Jesus' feet, their proximity to him and their posture before him tells us something about a privileged position that they had, that he had granted them. Did you know the creator of the world desires your presence? He wants an intimate relationship with you. He simply did not want them to receive his instruction. He wanted them to receive himself. He wanted them to know his word in order to know him. The Apostle Paul recognized this one thing or the needful thing in Philippians chapter 3. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Later on in that chapter 3.10 says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Is that your desire this morning? To know Jesus in that way. To know Jesus intimately. To live for his will, by his power, bearing his cross, rejoicing in his name. Look at Martha and Mary, Mary, Mary and Martha. Do you see the difference? Do you want the difference? Do you want what Mary had? Martha was distracted, frustrated, and anxious while Mary sat in peace. She's at rest at the feet of her Savior. 
at the feet of Jesus. She is feasting on the bread of life. We might say she's redeeming the time. Listen, that she might be able to distribute later. That's what I'm getting at this morning. We need to make sure we have time at the feet of Jesus so that we might do the serving that he will no doubt call us to do. <clears throat> Listen, I'm not talking about some formal academic setting. I'm talking about Bible college here. I'm talking about a walk with God. Yeah, I'm talking about sitting at the feet of our Savior in his word and in prayer, yeah. having a relationship based on the love and the grace of God in our life that conforms us to be more and more like him as we learn more of him. The grace of God. What a wonderful thing. Did you know none of us deserve to be at his feet? It's a place of grace. But because of his unfathomable love that I can't understand, he longs for us to be in that place at his feet. And he's made a way, dying on the cross, that we might come to him. But listen, this morning we have to make a choice. The deeds of Martha, the devotion of Mary. We all must make a choice. The term we see in verse 40 uh, was cumbered about means to drag all around. To distract with care or anxiety. Cumbered. Is life dragging you all around today? Listen, it can happen in, in this season. There's family functions. There's perhaps for some work functions. There's, there's all these things taking place that, that, are, that are vying for our time. I got to go here. I got, well, I got to fit shopping in somewhere. And I don't really care to do that. But I did buy Cindy a gift. Myself, no. Um, <laughs> Listen, life can drag us about if we're not careful. We can be cumbered about with so many things. But we must never forget the needful thing, the good part. Perhaps you need rest at the feet of our Savior. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall have rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Church, what if every single person in this room, everyone who calls this church home, would live each day at the feet of Jesus? I'm convinced we'd be empowered to serve at a greater level than we've ever seen. But oftentimes our service is limited because we are trying to do it in our own strength. We haven't been refreshed. We haven't been at the feet of our Savior. We haven't learned of His Word. We haven't done those things. And so we go about ministering. We, we teach classes. We preach the Word of God. We, we run the bus routes with this, just really at, with the candle burning at both ends because we're not doing it with the strength of the Lord. We haven't taken the time to learn of Him. I can't help but think of when Jesus described Mary's choice as the good part. Maybe He had Psalm 73 in mind. Psalm 73, 26 says this, My flesh and my heart faileth. Have you ever felt that way? Boy, I just can't do this. It goes on to say this, But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Listen, in our flesh, in our own, we're just going to fail. But if we would sit at the feet of our Savior, if we would be refreshed by Him and His Word, 
boy, that will give us strength. Strength that we can serve. Maybe you have a heavy load this morning. I want to encourage you to turn to the Lord for strength. Verse 39, it says, And he had, or and she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard this and heard his word. May this be said of us. Let us ask God to put us there and keep us there at his feet by his grace. This morning, if you don't know Christ, I remember the burden and the feeling of trying to be good enough. How can I do more or be better? I, I, I want to be accepted of God. But listen, it's not of your own doing. You just need to come unto him. Listen, he's the fulfilling of the law. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. If you would just come to Christ today, he can save you. And for the Christian that's laboring and just feels wore out, there's a refreshing at his feet. Just put yourself at his feet. Be still and allow him to take care of those circumstances. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word and what you've done in my heart through this passage. And I pray this morning that you would do only the work that you can in the heart of the people. Lord, I know there's people with burdens and and concerns and cares today. And I pray, Lord, that they would just find a place at your feet to be refreshed and encouraged. And Father, we pray for strengthening. Lord, and for those that may not know Christ, Lord, I pray that they would come to know Christ today. In Jesus' name, amen.